If you find your way to Matthew chapter 16, we'll be there this morning. And it is a joy once again to be with you. And I do count this church uh, just a treasure. And uh, of course, uh, growing up in this church and uh, just seeing it continue on, I'm encouraged by uh, seeing many faces uh, that were here uh, back when, before I was even married. And I see some of them have gone to the back row, but uh, we're still working on them, okay? Um, <clears throat> that's a good back row Baptist, all right? But uh, it, is a, it is encouraging, and I love uh, just coming and seeing some of the improvements that you've done in just the uh, fellowship area here in the kitchen. Uh, but uh, just to see that you're continuing on for the Lord, it is a, a joy and an encouragement. And uh, we do count it a joy to be here. And, and uh, you have to put up with us the entire day, so... Uh, uh, we look forward to this day. Matthew chapter 16, yeah, we'll begin reading in verse number 21. This is a message that I preached recently, but I believe that it will be a help and encouragement to us today as we focus upon the life of Christ and His uh, example to us. Beginning in verse number 21, follow along in Matthew chapter 16 as I read. The Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man." Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Shall we pray this morning? Lord, we count it a joy to be in Your house today. Thank You for bringing us together to worship You, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Lord, the fact that we can look into Your Word today, that we can be helped and encouraged and challenged by it. Lord, I pray that You would work in and through this time. Lord, simply you have put a message upon my heart to preach, and Lord, I understand that I am simply a mouthpiece for delivering a message that I believe will be a help. I believe that will be a challenge to each one of us. And Lord, I, I know that these are not my words, and Lord, I pray that they would not be my words, but that they would be your words flowing through me, that Lord, you would hide me behind the cross today to preach and to speak those things that you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that today that we wouldn't just be challenged, that we would just come today, maybe even be convicted by the message today, but Lord, that as we walk away from this place, that our hearts would be changed, that Lord, we would draw closer to you because of our uh, desire and fervor for the, for the things of God. So Lord, I pray that you'd help me to say the things that you'd have me to say today and to leave out the things that you'd have me not say and Lord, I pray that you would just draw our attention today, that you'd open each heart and each life, and most of all, Lord, today, that there's one here that has never trusted you as Lord and Savior, that today would be that day of salvation for them. We pray all this in your name. Amen. 
This life, no doubt, is full of choices. You see, we make hundreds of choices every day of our life. Today, you made a choice of what time you would get up, a choice about what to eat, a choice about what to wear, a choice of whether to come to church today or not, a choice of what streets you would come down and how fast you would drive. And for some, maybe a whole lot faster than others, and maybe even attracting the attention of a cop. I don't know. But these kind of choices, as we think about, are somewhat smaller and insignificant for each one of us. But what about the bigger choices of life? What about choices like choosing a spouse or choosing where to live or choosing a school or choosing a church or choosing what career to follow? You see, whether they are small and insignificant or whether they are big and life-changing, choices are always right in front of us. And we can never face a day without making a choice. And many of us are faced with a choice. Some of us, as Mike has said, we are uh, maybe facing a, a decision. You see, a choice is very simply this, the power to make a decision. Some choices are easy to make, and some are more difficult. Oftentimes we question, did I make the right choice? We realize that, to, that the choices we make today impacts our life of tomorrow. You see, we all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. As you read throughout Scripture, you will discover that some people made a right choice and others made a horrible choice. I think of Adam and Eve who chose the tree. I think of Cain who chose murder. Samson chose Delilah. David chose Bathsheba. Jonah chose to run. Lot chose Sodom. Lot's wife chose to look back. Ananias chose to lie. And Achan chose to steal. On the contrary, I find that Abraham chose to obey God. Moses chose to leave Egypt. Noah chose the ark. Joseph chose to flee Potiphar's wife. Joshua chose to serve the Lord. Job chose to trust God. And yes, as we find in our scripture today, the disciples chose Jesus. This morning, we are going to be focusing on one verse in particular, and this is verse number 24. Would you, as, as we look at this verse once again, would you read it with me together in unison, verse number 24, as we think about the words of our Lord? Verse number 24, ready, begin. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This passage, this verse states, if any man will come. No doubt this involves a personal choice. The word will here shows one's desire, one's resolve, one's determination. You see, this verse causes us to face a decision even today. As you, as you read the New Testament, you will notice that multitudes of people followed Jesus everywhere he went. But you see, many people followed him for many different reasons. Some followed him for the miracles. Some were there for just what they could get from Jesus. Maybe to come to him to heal them of a disease or maybe provide something for them. They were there for the miracles. Some followed him out of curiosity. They were there for the excitement of all the crowds that Jesus attracted. And news traveled quickly about Jesus, and many wanted to just come and see for themselves who this Jesus was. Some followed him because they hated him. Many of the Pharisees and religious leaders of that day followed Jesus around because they wanted to try and trip him up. They wanted to discredit his teachings. They wanted to try to point out everything that was wrong about the way he ministered. 
Yet there were some that followed him because they loved him. Some that truly wanted to be close to him. Some that wanted to really know Jesus. So we need to realize today that even though Jesus attracted large crowds everywhere he went, that not all were there for the same reason. And in a congregation such as this today, you might be in church this morning, but may I remind us today that being in church does not make us a true disciple or a follower of Jesus. You see, many followed, but many were not true disciples of Jesus. So what does this invitation from Jesus to follow him really involve? I trust that today from this passage in Matthew chapter 16, that we will discover what Jesus was trying to show his disciples is exactly what he wants us to learn today as well. He wants us to experience this matter of being his disciple. Today from this passage, I would like us to examine three life-changing choices that Jesus points out to prove our desire and our commitment to becoming true disciples of him. First of all, I see in verse number 24, the choice of denying. The Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Jesus said this, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to serve me, if you're going to walk in my ways, you must first deny yourself. May I ask this morning this simple question, what does it truly mean to deny self? Does it mean to deny the things that I like? I like Coca-Cola, I like Dr. Pepper, I like potato chips and Cool Ranch Doritos, and I know they're not good for me, I know that I should deny those things, and, and I should not uh, get too carried away with those things, but is that what that's talking about? Well, I don't believe it is, and the Bible points out here that this is not exactly what it's talking about. You see, the Greek verb to deny is a strong word. It's a strong word of refusing to forget oneself entirely, to reject anything that will get in the way of offering ourselves for God's service. Let's just be honest this morning. This is a tough decision to deny. Deep down inside each one of us, we are bent towards selfishness and self-centeredness. It's the nature of our flesh that is always pointing us to what we want. And our human nature is to indulge self, not deny self. Sadly, today, we have little idea of what it truly means to deny ourselves. You see, it's our own selfishness that becomes our greatest hindrance to denying our own self. And few are willing to admit this, but oftentimes our greatest obstacle in life is with our own self. When it becomes about my hopes, when it becomes about my dreams and my desires and my comfort and my happiness and my success and my career and my life, we shut the door of our lives to what God wants for us. And Jesus knew what he was talking about because he lived the ultimate life of self-denial. You see, Jesus humbled himself, and he denied himself the glories of heaven. He denied himself the pleasures of sin. He denied himself the protection of pain that he would suffer for us. And Jesus knew what it would take. He knew that it would take denying ourselves to follow him. He knew that where he was going and what he was going to do would be the opposite of what our earthly desires would be. And Jesus never made an appeal to the flesh. He never promised riches. He didn't promise an easy path. He didn't 
give specifics to the disciples. No, he simply said about their life and our life, deny it. He knew that a focus on our life would be a distraction from our walk with him. Listen this morning, this life is not about you. This life is not about me and what I want or what you want. It's not about our desires and our wants or our happiness or our opinions. You see, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus says, if you're going to be focused on me, if you're going to follow me, then you first must deny yourself. Look at our text in verse number 25. The Bible says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. As you read this verse, it almost doesn't make sense. But Jesus is revealing what we call a spiritual paradox here. By saying this, Jesus was well aware that the disciples, as well as you and I this morning, would have a hard time grasping this concept because this goes against our human nature and logic. You see, we do a lot to preserve our life. We do a lot to work hard to obtain more. And we don't think that to lose in order to gain makes any sense. Why would Jesus ask us to lose our life? Jesus is saying to lose our grip on this life that is only temporal, by the way, so that we find the true meaning of life, which is the eternal. If we hold on to this life so tightly for ourselves, Jesus is saying we actually lose in the end. You know, a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of meeting a couple that have been recently coming to the church that we go to, uh, an elderly couple, Charles and Judy Moore. I had the privilege uh, on a Tuesday, uh, a couple months back, to have lunch uh, with this uh, dear man of God. And that day, he shared just a glimpse of, of how the Lord had greatly used his life for the cause of Christ. We spent a few hours over lunch and just kind of fellowshipping, and as we were saying goodbye that afternoon, Brother Moore said to me, here, Phil, I want to give you something. And he, he went to his vehicle, and he said, I want to give you my book. Here, he said, I want to I take that out, and I want to I sign it for you. And he took it, and he wrote a little note in there to my wife and I, just a, a note of encouragement, and took that book home, and the book is titled, No Man Can Serve Two Masters. It's his autobiography. As I began reading this book about this dear couple, I was captivated by the testimony of these two dear saints of God. You see, at the age of just 24, Charles had become a very successful businessman running 11 different corporations, which led him to become a very wealthy man. In his book, he shares, even though I knew Christ as my Savior, I had still been living my life for myself and for my family and not for my Lord. For my seven years as a Christian, I'd never understood that God wanted me to love His Son more than anything else, even more than my own life. His time had been spent trying to find fulfillment in things like football and the Army and serving in the FBI and trying politics and all his successful businesses and his lavish possessions. He realized that he was wasting his life chasing things in life that didn't matter for Christ. So after accumulating multiple millions of dollars in wealth for himself, he was led by God to give it all away, to give his life and take his wife and children to serve the Lord in Central America, where they spent the first two months of being there, sleeping on the floor. They spent over 50 years dedicating their lives to the work of Christ. As a direct result of their missionary work, they started the CSC, which is Christian Sharing Christ. And from that ministry, over 3 million souls have come to accept Jesus. 
Charles and Judy Moore are a living testimony of what Jesus can do through the lives of two people who are totally given over to him. And every time I think about them and think about their their book and the testimony of it, I realize that these two truly experience what Jesus was talking about when he said, whosoever will lose his life shall find it. Many would say to them, are you crazy? How could you give up everything this world has to offer? And they would say, we would do it all over again. We wouldn't change a thing. You see, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. One songwriter wrote, all want their lives to count for something, to leave their mark when life is through. But vain pursuits will count for nothing. Time will erase whate'er I do. I want my life to count for Jesus, for earthly things will quickly fade. No need to add to worldly riches. I only seek eternal gain. How about you this morning? What are you working so hard to hold on to? Are you trying to find fulfillment in life, in things, in owning more, in the status of this life? Oh, I believe we can get caught up in that. Or are you living God's life? Are you living your own life? Are you you living the life that God would have for you? Jesus said if you want to discover true life, then it begins with denying yourself, letting go of your ambitions, letting go of your own desires, your own way, and turning them all over to Him. So we see the choice of denying. Secondly, in this verse, we, we find the choice of devotion. Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross. What was Jesus talking about when he stated, take up your cross? Jesus wasn't using the cross in a literal sense of carrying a physical cross around. No, that's not what he's talking about. He was pointing out in a figurative sense of picking up, carrying, or bearing up our cross. And oftentimes when we think about a cross, we often relate it to maybe bearing a burden. Maybe we relate it to enduring some sort of difficulty in life, taking on something that's painful to go through. Oftentimes you might hear someone say about maybe an illness or a, or a lifelong trouble that, well, this is just my cross to bear. Oftentimes maybe a deep trial comes into our life and we ask ourselves, is this a cross that I must endure? I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've had to endure. I don't know what you're going through right now. But I know, I know in my own life I've had to endure things that have not been easy to endure, not enjoyable to endure. But is this what Jesus was talking about? Was Jesus talking about our cross as something painful that we must endure? That might be part of it, but this is not exactly the intent of what Jesus was talking about when he referenced the cross for us. When Jesus said, take up your cross, in in that day, everybody knew what he meant. You see, everybody knew what a cross was used for at that time. A cross was not an ornament like we have today. People didn't wear crosses around their neck like we have today. People didn't get a cross tattooed on their body as some sort of Christian testimony. The cross at that time was a torture instrument. It had no beauty. It would never be formed into some type of jewelry or decoration in the house. You see, the Jews at that time were familiar with Roman crucifixion. They had seen condemned people carrying their crosses to their own execution. And to take up one's cross was, go, was simply to go out and to be put to death. Jesus was saying that to be my disciple, that it could ultimately cost them their life. And even if it didn't cost them their life, that they should be willing 
to give everything for him. I'm reminded of what one girl said to her boyfriend. She said, do you love me? He said, well, yes, dear. She said, would you die for me? The boy said, well, no, mine is an undying love. He had his limits, didn't he? I'm afraid that we have our limits too. In our modern Christianity, we tend to look for things that are easy, things that are convenient, things that are comfortable. We tend to avoid the things that involve self-sacrifice, discipline, and sometimes suffering. We avoid the things if the cost is too great. Jesus said, I want you to be willing to bear the cross regardless of the cost. And Jesus never calls us to do anything that he was not prepared to do himself. What he is asking us to face, he's already faced for us, amen? What he calls upon us as his disciples to take up a cross, he's already suffered a cross for us. In fact, if you look at verse 21 of this chapter, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Jesus is telling his disciples here that he was preparing to go and suffer on a cross for them. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. It should only be natural to give our life for him. Oh, we might not have to physically die on a cross today, but we ought to be willing to give up anything in this life that's holding us back from living for him. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul also said, I die daily, in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 to his disciples to take up their cross daily. Jesus also said in Luke 14, 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Becoming a disciple is not something you do one time at the start of your Christian life. Oh, yes, salvation is a miracle of the moment, but you see discipleship and becoming a disciple is the process of a lifetime. It's a moment-by-moment, daily commitment to die to self regardless of the cost. And every morning we have to crawl out of bed and crawl back onto the altar of sacrifice and die to ourselves so that we can live for Jesus. This is what Jesus was talking about. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Spurgeon said, I have now consecrated all of my prayers into one. And that one prayer is this, that I might die to self and live holy for him. But what did Peter say? In verse 22, he said, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. You see, if Peter had his way, he would have had Jesus avoid the cross altogether. Jesus rebuked Peter for wanting to focus on the things of men and not the things of God. And in the next verse, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. He was simply rebuking Peter for being his adversary and trying to hinder him from going to the cross. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Basically, get, get behind me and begin following me, Peter. Sadly, too often, we too in our lives want to sidestep the cross, I believe. We want to live for ourselves. Jesus laid down his life on the cross willingly in full surrender. 
just like I said in, in the Sunday school hour, Jesus laid down his life. He did not, they did not take his life. He laid down his life. What Jesus is saying for us is to take up our cross and surrender to him. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my all to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Jesus is saying this morning, I don't want just part of your life. I want all of you. Jesus invites you this morning to be a disciple, but he lets you know right up front that it's going to be a total commitment. That it's going to cost you something. It's not always going to be an easy path. But Jesus says, trust me, it will always be worth it. Thirdly and lastly this morning, we see the choice of direction. The choice of direction. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, everywhere that Jesus went, he was looking for those to follow him. And every time he made a call, it was to follow. Matthew 4, 19, and he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 9 and verse 9, and Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sit into the receipt of custom and saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. John 1 and verse 43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. John 12 and verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So when we speak of this matter of following Jesus, we're not talking about a religion, but we're talking about a relationship with a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. You see, we're not called to follow a creed. We're not called to follow a code of conduct. We're not called to follow a catechism or, or a concept. No, we're called to follow him. We're called to follow Jesus. You see, there's very, something very significant about this call, something very special about the words of Jesus in our text. For Jesus says this, if any man will come after me. These were not words just directed at the 12 disciples, as some would argue. No, these words are for you, and they're for me today. To listen to the words of Jesus, that any means any. The call to follow was to everyone and anyone who was willing to follow him. But my ask this morning, why would Jesus even have to make an appeal to follow? Why would he even have to ask? You would think that this would be an easy decision considering who Jesus is and who Jesus was at that time. Jesus knew that as human beings, there would be so many other things pulling at us to follow after in this life. You see, we're, we're surrounded with distractions of this world that compete for our attention. We can get so caught up and distracted following a sports figure, so caught up following politics or following social media or following the stock market or following the housing market or following our life and what we want. And that can become our focus. Many would question, and even in the days that Jesus was on this earth, if he was even worth following, if he really was who he said he was. But yes, even we as Christians here today may even question from time to time, is he really worth it? Is it really worth giving our lives for him to become his disciples, to truly follow in his steps? In case you've forgotten this morning, can I remind you of who this Jesus is that we follow? Oh, he's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He always is, he always does, and he always will be. He was bruised and brought healing. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and brings power. 
Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't stop him. Nero couldn't crush him, and Hitler couldn't silence him. He is light, love, long-suffering, and he is Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and he is God. He is holy, mighty, powerful, and pure. His word is eternal. His will is perfect, and his mind is on us. He is my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He is my guide, and he is my peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort, and he is my Lord. Is this the Jesus that you know this morning? Or shall I keep going? He will never leave me nor forsake me, never, never mislead me nor forget me. When I fall, he lifts me. When I fail, he forgives. When I am weak, he is strong. When I am lost, he is the way. When I am afraid, he is my courage. When I am sick, he heals me. When I am broken, he mends me. When I am blind, he leads me. When I am hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he comforts me. When I face death, he carries me home. He is God and he is faithful. I am his and he is mine. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ruler of rulers, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I ask the question again, is Jesus really worth following? Absolutely 100%. This is the Jesus that we know this morning, and he is worth following. The word follow in this verse is in the present tense meaning to us today, it's a daily following. It's a lifestyle. It's, a, it's, it's our way of life, or should be. So how can you make this matter of following Jesus the focus of your life? In order for Jesus to be the direction of your life, you must, first of all, keep your eyes on Him. Think back to me before the day of smartphones, and I don't have my phone on me, but many of you have your phone on you right now, before smartphones and Google Maps. And I know some of you for this morning, this is going to be a stretch, but bear with me. It used to be that, you know, you'd be trying to give directions to someone and how to get to whatever place you're going. Maybe it's after church and you're saying, okay, let's go, let's go meet somewhere. And you're trying to tell them where this place is at. And they're struggling to make sense of your directions and kind of maybe you don't do that good at explaining it. So you kind of get frustrated and you end up just saying, uh, just follow me. And so you begin on your cars and you start following them. And if you're not careful, the person you were following, if you didn't keep your eyes on them, you would instantly find yourself kind of losing them. And then you would get lost trying to figure out where they went and how you were going to get to where you guys were meeting at. You'd always have that person you were following who would maybe come to that yellow light. And then instead of stopping, they would just kind of gun it right through that light leaving you thinking, okay, now I've lost them. How am I going to find them? Jesus is saying to us, come on, just follow me. I will lead you to the right place. I will be the perfect guide. I will be the one that will lead you, and you can trust me. I won't allow you to get it lost or lose your way. As long as you keep your eyes focused on me, I will lead you in the right direction for your life. Hebrews 12 says, 12.2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me ask you this morning, have you gotten your eyes off of Jesus? Have you found yourself lost, confused, directionless, just wandering through this Christian life? Maybe today you just simply need to refocus. Maybe you need to get your eyes back on Jesus. Last of all, this morning, you can never be a true follower of Jesus until you first accept him at salvation. 
The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, my friend, Jesus loved you so much that He was willing to leave the splendor of heaven to come to this old dusty earth where He lived a perfectly sinless life and yet was mocked, spit upon, was beaten beyond recognition, a crown of thorns was placed upon his head, and the nails driven into his hands and his feet. And there he died on a cross for you and for me. He died in your place and paid the penalty for your sin because he wanted you to be forgiven and because he loves you. Would you look at verse number 26 this morning? The Bible says, For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is asking you the question today, what is your life worth? If you could have everything this life has to offer, money, power, fame, pleasure, but in order to gain those things, it meant losing your soul in exchange, would it be worth it? I'm here to tell you that it's a horrible trade-off. Please don't pass by Jesus today. Please don't Pass by his free gift of salvation to hold on to this world. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today. For the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3.15 tells us, While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today, you can make that most important decision that you will ever make. Trust Jesus today and come to him while there is still time. So today, we have a choice. There's a choice to make, deny self or live for self. Take up your cross or ignore the cross. Follow Jesus or follow this world. Trust Jesus and his finished work at Calvary or leave here today without him. What will you decide? Who or what will you follow? Can you really say today that you're following the Lord? Or is something holding you back? I encourage each person here today, each young person, teenager, adult, that if there's something holding you back, I encourage you this morning to give up whatever is standing in the way of you truly becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as the Spirit speaks through a time of invitation, I trust that you will obey whatever He's leading you to do.